you guys are the most subdued you have been maybe ever. It's like y'all were out partying all night last night or something. I do not know what's going on this morning. Y'all are quieter. It makes me nervous when y'all are so quiet. Well, this morning for our intro, I was going to share a personal testimony about uh, forgiveness that I've been kind of just some things I've learned about forgiveness, but actually something occurred last night that I thought kind of would, uh, was more important for us to, to point out here. Uh, in Psalm 33, uh, verse 3, it says, Sing to him a new song, play skillfully with a shout of joy. And until last night, I had no idea that you could worship God with fireworks. <laughs> and that, that, that the new worship medium is fireworks. And so now if we can just figure out how to set them off inside the building, uh, we'll, we'll be really good. This was a picture, and, and I just kept watching Derek down front as the, as the songs played and him just raising his hand. And, and by the way, he wasn't the only one. There were some people sitting next to me that, that literally were jumping out of their seat as uh, things drew, drew to a close last night. And so it is good for us to use all our talents, uh, no matter what they are, to worship the Lord. And just really grateful for a great day we had yesterday. The spirit was wonderful. The weather was wonderful. And we did start with a splash, and we ended with a bang. And the Lord was grateful, was, uh, blessed us all at our time at the picnic yesterday. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3 and find verse 13. We'll be talking about that passage here in just a minute. One quick announcement I forgot to make. Um, it is good to see uh, many of the university students back with us today. University is back in. Or as Carly dreadedly said last night, i got to go to school tomorrow. For the rest of you who don't feel that way, we are glad that you are here today. One quick announcement I want to let you guys know is on September the 10th, after our service, we're planning on having a luncheon for our college and university students. And so we want to make sure you, you'll put that down on your calendar. We'll feed you that day and bring some friends with you. Uh, just a chance for us to get to know you and where you're from and touch bases again now that everybody's back in town. So if you don't know, we have been going through a series. We started back in February. We had a, a launch uh, of an intensive discipleship study that we're doing called 3D Disciples, uh, where we're developing disciples who display God's love as we deploy into God's world. Into God's world. And so this has kind of been uh, the, the, what we've been working on. We have a manual. If you don't have a manual, please let us know. We still have some, and we'd be glad to get you uh, a copy of this. Uh, there's two questions in our, in, in our manuals that we look at each week. What did we hear as we study God's Word, as we anticipate the Spirit to be here with us, as we commune with God? What did we hear from God today? And then more importantly, or at least as important, what am I going to do about what I heard? You know, and, and that we can't just be hearers of the Word, but we also need to be doers. And so we are, and thank goodness for some friend who pointed out that last week I insisted it was chapter 5, but it's actually chapter 4. Uh, we're doing, uh, we're studying the idea of forgiveness right now. Uh, we, we talked last week about why, giveness, why forgiveness is so important. If you want to turn to your manuals, it's page 60. That's where you'll be taking notes at today as we continue thinking about uh, forgiveness. But you can, and we're going to look at this one passage here and kind of launch out from there. So last week we talked about 
Why is forgiveness so important? And this week we're going to be looking at what forgiveness is. But forgiveness is one of these things I call the big three. I introduced this concept a couple of weeks ago. And like these are the three things that pretty much define a disciple of God. I, I, I would really say it this way. I, I have no idea how you can consider yourself a disciple if you don't do these three things. Um, and, and, and I'm trying to change the metric a little bit because what we've used for a long time to determine a disciple is someone who goes to church, right? Someone who maybe reads their Bible or prays in some kind of consistency, maybe somebody who ties, right? Uh, and, and those are kind of the metrics that we use to define a disciple. Um, but I really think these three are, are really, really at the heart of, of what God and what Jesus taught us to be. Because he says, you can't be my disciple unless you deny yourself and follow me. And he says, you won't be forgiven unless you forgive. And, and then the whole idea of how unity affects the, new, the first century church and how we're supposed to live in unity uh, uh, among others. And I found a verse this week um, just that kind of talks about this idea um, that, that you can do certain things and you can miss the important things, right? And I, and I think these three are really the important things. Like if you're going to focus on being a disciple and like tell, give me three things i got to do to really be right with God, well, here's the three. Uh, not that reading your Bible is not important. Not that not coming to church is not important. Not that praying is not important. Those are important too. But, but these are really the big three. And in Matthew's gospel, the 23rd chapter, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the most religious people that maybe ever lived, right? Uh, I mean, they had large sections of the Old Testament memorized. They dedicated their lives to serving the Lord. Uh, they were often motivated, I think, by the right ideas. They just had pretty poor delivery. And here's what he says to them. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, right? So, so they tithe, they, they're doing the right things, they're following the law. But you neglect the weightier matters. You, 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 you're doing all this religious stuff and you're missing the really important stuff. Uh, the, the weightier matters are all justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining the gnat, and swallowing the camel. And, and that's it's kind of this idea of these big three. Like we need to do the other things, but we need to do these weightier matters of denying ourselves, forgiving others, and living in unity too. So as I said last week, we were, talk, we were talking, going to continue to talk about forgiveness, and I am bouncing all over the place here. So last week we answered this question, why is forgiveness so important? And we just looked at how, how much stress Jesus put on that. Today we're going to answer the idea of what forgiveness is. Uh, so what is actually forgiveness? So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. Get me there, Hannah. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Let's talk about this verse. This is our launch out verse today. Bear with one another. So this is instructions to Christians, to the church, right? Bear with one another. And forgive any complaint you have against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. One simple little verse. And, and here's, my, here's my thought, my belief. If Christian churches practice this one verse, one verse out of the entire Bible, if we just did everything in our power to, protect, to, to practice at every case this one verse, 
the world would turn upside down. That if we would bear with one another, right? Put up with one another, care for one another, you know, even when we're irritated with one another, that we would bear with one another, that we would forgive any complaint you have against someone else and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so we're just talking about the forgiveness part. So look at that, that, second, that second kind of idea. Forgive any complaint you have against someone else. Right. Here's what we've got to understand. It is my and your responsibility to forgive. Not to sit around and wait for somebody to ask our forgiveness. Not to sit around and wait for somebody to come and say, Oh, I did you wrong. The instruction is... Forgive any complaint you got. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm, I'm going to give you like 12 seconds to think. Do you have any complaints against anybody in the world this morning? I'm guessing maybe about half of you do, or at least 25%, right? That, that if I gave you enough time, you could come up with somebody that you got a little complaint against. If you're a disciple of Christ, your command is to forgive that person right now. Forgive any complaint you have against anybody else. And you're going to say, and we look at that, well, Jason, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they are, right? You, you, you just don't get it, right? And, and, and so, but here's the simple command. Forgive any complaint you have against another. And then it ups the ante a little bit, as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And so today I want us to just think about this verse, these commands. We're told several times to forgive as the Lord has forgiven. But we really need to understand what forgiveness is. And my goal for today is to understand or to better understand actually what forgiveness is. And we're going to do that by understanding some of the components of forgiveness. So here, here's, a, here's a Webster's Dictionary, maybe, uh, of what forgiveness is. To grant pardon for or remission of an offense, a debt, etc. Or to give up all claim on an account of. So like someone owes you a debt and you just give up the account. You, you give up your claim to the account. But to pardon or, or the remission of an offense. And so there's several components in, to forgive, in forgiveness that we must understand if we're really going to know what it is that we're called to do and if today we're going to do what the Lord has told us. And so the first thing you've got to understand is the offense. Here's the truth. You cannot forgive unless somebody's done something wrong to you. I mean, that's, that may seem like, duh right? That might seem like, well, that, that makes sense. But... But one of the things you've got to understand is one of the things the Bible really cares about is forgiveness. And every time somebody does something wrong to you, it's an opportunity for you to be obedient to God. Now, I bet if I had started off this morning and say, how many of you want an opportunity to show God how much you love him? I bet I could have got everybody to raise their hand. Like, I want to show God how much I love him. Well, good news. Every time somebody does something wrong to you, you have an opportunity to show God how much you love him. 
Because the Bible teaches us that obedience is love of God. And he tells us to forgive. And so every time somebody does something wrong, you have an opportunity and a decision to make. Will I love God at this moment? I mean, it's really kind of that simple. And you're never going to forgive unless somebody does actually hurt you. And one of the things I want you to understand is that forgiveness is not just like ignoring the hurt. It's not just like, oh, that wasn't, you know, here's how we practice forgiveness at my house, or here's how we used to practice it at my house, right? We do something wrong to each other, and I go, oh, I'm sorry. And 99% of the time, Shelly go, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'll remember that. Next time I won't say I'm sorry, because it's okay. I would bet that most of us spend our lives forgiving people the same way. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. If you were hurt, it's not okay. And the first step to really forgiving is owning that it's not okay. I was hurt. I have a just to be hurt. I have a justifiable anger. I have a, I have a justifiable desire for justice. God is all about justice. And, and, he, and we have a justifiable, but when somebody does you something wrong, if you want justice, if you feel hurt, if there's a twinge of anger in there, that's understandable. And you have to own that hurt. Like, I was wrong. Because if you can't own that, then you can never give it up. You can ne- if you can't say, I'm owed something, then you have no debt to forgive. And we can't just so easily brush over the pain that we cause and that's caused to us, right? It's a real thing. People sin against us. Oh, and by the way, we sin against other people too, right? And so, but that's real. It's not okay to mistreat people. But this helps us understand when we're forgiven by God because we're supposed to give, forgive as the Lord forgave us. And so here's a, here's a principle I want you to understand. The penalty for sin is not determined by what you do, but to whom you do it against. All right? The penalty of sin is not really determined by what we do as much as it's determined by whom we do it against. Let me give you an example. Let's say I happen to know the secret football plans, the secret plays of our local football team, right? I know their number one plays. I know how they run it. I know know the codes that they call out when they set up for it. I know the formation. And I go to the opposing team, and I give them that information, right? I'm a cheater, but that's about it, right? I stole secrets from one team and gave them to another team. I'm not going to be really a popular person in town. You know, probably will, you know, not be welcome in most people's houses. But that's about it. Now, if I work for a corporation and I find out that my corporation has this new, really wild invention in in their development stage... And I take those secrets, and I go to another corporation, and I share those secrets with them, right? I'm doing the same thing. I'm just sharing secrets. Same thing. But it's from a corporation, right? Now I'm going to lose my job, right? 
You know, not, I, I'm going to have to find a new job. I'm hoping the new company will hire me, but they're probably not going to trust me either because I stole from them to give to them. They're like, well, we can't trust you. You're not getting a job with us. You know, my resume's wrecked. You know, my p- reputation's wrecked. Uh, uh, that's, you know, and, th- and there might even be some legal action I have to face, right? I could, I could have to pay some fines, might spend some time in jail. So, but it's the same thing, stealing secrets from one and giving to another. If I take secrets from our government, special codes from our government, and I go to another country and give those secrets out, now I've committed treason. I'm a traitor facing possible death for that. Now, in the case, it's all the same thing. Stealing secrets from one team, giving secrets to another team, right? But why is there the difference? Why am I not going to face death when I give away the football score, you know, the football plays? Because it's not what I did, it's who I did it against, right? You know, cheating against the football team is not the same thing as giving away secrets from our nation because it's a different entity. Let me ask you, what happens when you offend or sin against an infinitely good, infinitely loving, infinitely benevolent and infinitely righteous deity you deserve infinite punishment and so when we sin against others it's not the same as sinning against god but it's still wrong and here's the thing that infinite being who we all sin against and who we all deserve infinite punishment for forgave us and so if the, if, if the infinite can forgive us, shouldn't we be able to forgive those others who are much lesser, right? And so understanding the offense, that it's real, but in the scheme of things, what's been done to us is of a far less nature than what we've done to God. That's where the, as the Lord has forgiven you part, comes in in that verse so that's understanding the offense really embracing that and not too easily we, we shouldn't too quickly just run over the hurt because it's real a sin against us a sin against others and particularly our sin against God but I also want you to understand the biblical word the word used for forgiveness now we started off in Matthew six last week talking about the uh, the Lord's prayer where it says, "Forgive others as I for, you know forget help me forgive others as I for, if you've forgiven me." Jesus comes back and says, "If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven." Here's a picture of the word in Greek, and I'm not even going to try to say it, but that's what it looks like. It's used about fifty times between forty and fifty times in the book of Matthew, um, and and here's the thing: it's not always translated forgiveness. Uh, a bunch of times it is translated forgiveness, but when we study words, one of the best things we can do is look how the author that we're studying, how they use it in other areas. And what I hope that you'll uh, figure out here or see is how this idea of forgiveness, what it's really all about. Because really the main idea of forgiveness is to leave something or, or, or to leave it behind. And so I'm going to read you a number of verses where that same word that's used for forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer is used in other places in the scriptures. The first one is Matthew 4, 20. It says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is when the, Jesus called the disciples, and the word left there is the same word. 
Like, so what the disciples did when they got up and left their nets, that's forgiveness, leaving it behind, right? Matthew 5, 24, he says, uh, he says you leave your gift. Uh, this is talking about when you find out you got uh, uh, something against a brother. It says, leave your gift at the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. So again, how important is forgiveness? That God says, leave that's the same word. Leave your gift behind, go get right, and then come back and get right with me. Matthew 8 says, he touched, her hand, he, he touched her hand and the fever left her. Same word. And she rose again, rose and began to serve him. And see so where 18, 12, what do you think? Oh, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such, a, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. That's uh, Matthew 19, 14. He's like, leave them alone, right? Let the children come to me. He's saying, hands off. <laughs> Let them come. That's forgiveness. Hands off. Uh, Matthew 18, 12. So what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, what does he do? He leaves the 99 and goes to the mountain to find the one right that's leaves the others behind so he can go find the one uh, Matthew 19 27 then Peter said to said in reply see we have left everything and followed you what then will we have he's talking about see we've we left everything behind to follow you to follow Jesus we got to leave everything we got to forgive our life is a way of almost saying that Matthew 23 23 Woe to you, scribes. This is the one we just read earlier as the intro. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected, you've left the weightier things of the law, uh, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are you ought to not have done without neglecting the others. Well, again, that word neglecting is the same, leaving behind. It's forgiveness. So forgiving is neglecting the things that are done to you. Right? What does neglect mean? To pay no attention to. Right? Not, not to care for them. To, to, to leave them alone. That's forgiveness. Matthew 24, 40. Talks about, this is one that a lot of people who have read the Left Behind series, they love these kind of verses. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left behind. Right? That's forgiveness. Matthew 27, 49. But the, uh, but the other said, wait, let us see if Elijah will come to save him. It's actually the word wait in Matthew 27. Uh, and what are the, they're getting ready to take care of Jesus and, and, take, and, and minister to him. And the, and the guard says, wait, don't do anything. Leave it alone. Let's see what happens, right? It's that kind of just let, letting it be. And then finally in Matthew 27, 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. And he yielded up his spirit. It's the yielded up his spirit is the same word for forgiveness. That he let his spirit go. He let it go. To quote a popular Disney film. What I want you to see is that the main idea in forgiveness is leaving it alone. Letting it be. Leave it behind. Walk away from it. Right? That's forgiveness. It's when we've been rightly offended when we've been truly offended, we have a right to pain, we have a right to justice, we have a right to recompense, and we leave it behind. We walk away from it. We have nothing to do with it. 
We don't mess with it. We just leave it behind. We don't engage with it. We don't mess with it. We act like it's not even there. That's forgiveness. And so today I want to tell you probably one of the most uh, impactful ideas that has been shared with me in my discipleship. I've mentioned this a number of times. Over the past couple of years, I've worked with a, a group called Call to Obedience. CTO is how you'll hear me refer to it very often. I had the pleasure, the opportunity was afforded me to study uh, alongside or with the CEO of Call to Obedience. One of the very first lessons in Call to Obedience is the idea of forgiveness. And I've taken a lot of people or, or a number of people through Call to Obedience over the last several years. And, and, and forgiveness is one of the things we study. And it's always amazing. And I'm not talking about like new believers who, who have no knowledge of the Bible. I'm talking about I've taken seasoned, long-term Christians through this study. And as we get into understanding what forgiveness actually is and then actually practicing it, they're blown away. I was blown away. It's like, actually one of them says like, why have I never, I've been going to church all my life. Why have I never heard about this? Why have I never experienced it this way? It's really transformative. And I believe it's because they have brought forgiveness down to one of the most practical steps that I've ever seen done. And if you really want to practice forgiveness, if you really want to be challenged as a disciple, here it is. Understand that when it comes to forgiveness, there's a commitment. It's actually a threefold commitment. Three things you, you internally commit to do if you're really going to forgive someone. Number one, and it's three will nots. Number one, I will not bring it up to the offender. So whatever that is, whatever was done, whatever the offense really is, I'm not going to bring it up to the offender, right? I'm not going to say, hey, you know what you did, let me get you. And sometimes we can be really sneaky Christians, right? We can go up to the offender and say, I just want you to know, brother, I forgave you, right? Put the little halo on top of me, right? You know, and we can even use this command to forgive as a way to get a dig at somebody else by saying, I just want you to know. It's been forgiven. Don't worry about it. Because we're going to say, well, what, what are you talking about? Well, now's my chance to tell you. Let me, let me share that with you, brother. And so we just don't bring it up to them. It's gone. We walk away from it. We leave it behind. We divorce ourselves of it. We neglect it. We don't mess with it. And so we don't, there's no reason to talk about it to them. The second uh, commitment is I won't bring it up to others. Come here, Bob. Let me tell you what so-and-so did against me, right? We use this, we, which really, when we do that, when we talk to others about what other people did wrong to us, we're basically gossiping. And the Bible's pretty clear on that. It's one of the sins, in my opinion, Romans chapter 1, the last part of Romans chapter 1 is one of the most detestable uh, list of of sins that are out there and gossip is right there in the middle of all of that and so you know and we and again we 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 like to play the christian card you know we don't want to be bad christians and, and so we'll we'll defend ourselves and say well all i'm doing is telling the truth well it might be true but it doesn't make it necessary 
And, and wisdom is determined what's necessary to talk about, not just what is true. And, and, and gossiping to other people about what somebody else did to us, bringing that up and keeping it harbored out there is not forgiving them. You're forgiving them. You've let it go. It's behind you. What do you got to talk about? Well, let's talk about the weather. It's going to change in about five minutes. One of the popular things in, in popular psychology that leads us down the wrong road is the idea of venting. You just need to get that off your chest, you know. Tell me about it here, you know. And, and, and there might be a place where in a counseling situation you need to let somebody know what's going on. But everybody in the church isn't your counselor, right? Or everybody in your family or everybody, wherever you would go and talk about all these things with and, and, and tear somebody else down, let them know about how wronged you were, that's not really forgiving because you walked away from it. And finally, these two are bad enough. The last one's the hardest one. Don't bring it up with myself, right? And that's where real unforgiveness likes to grow, right? At night when I'm trying to go to sleep, right, and I'm sitting there and the house is quiet and my mind starts to spin and I spin and spin and I think about what they did and how wrong it was and how dirty it was and, uh, and how they've done that to me one more time and it's again and again and it's never going to stop. And pretty soon I'm all worked up, right? And I just let my mind go. The Bible actually speaks pretty directly to this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up to cause trouble to defile many. And really probably the way this root grows, probably the way this problem grows, it starts at the bottom with me talking with myself, right? Me thinking and having conversations with myself about how bad I've been wronged. And then it just grows and grows and grows. So I can't contain it anymore. And it spills out. And i got to let other people know. Let me tell you what so-and-so did to me. Because I've got myself all worked up and I can't hold it anymore. So I start spreading and I tell this person and I tell this person and I tell that person. And soon, as the Bible says, many are defiled by that root of bitterness. And finally, I'm so worked up and I've got my whole army of people telling me, you know what you need to do? You need to go tell them what you think. You need to go give them a piece of your mind. And then that's when we go and confront the person. Once we've gotten enough courage, like we've got enough backers that tell us, you're right, you're right, you've been wrong, you've been wrong. Well, we admitted we were wrong at the beginning. We admitted that we were wronged and we had a right to be angry and upset and think about justice at the beginning. But we forgave and we've walked away from that. And so there's no need to tell others, there's no need to tell the offenders, and there's certainly no need for me to sit there and dwell on it myself and let myself spin and spin and spin in this. This is the hardest form of forgiveness I've ever tried to practice. But I believe it is biblical forgiveness. Because this is what Jesus does to us. Jesus has been offended by us all. God has been offended by us all we have all sinned against an infinitely pure infinitely loving infinitely benevolent being and because we've sinned against him we deserve infinite punishment and it's a real thing right 
Jesus forgave us. He's like, I got the right to cast everybody forever and ever away from me. That's his right. And he walked away from it and said, I won't exercise my right, but I will forgive you. And finally, one last challenge is we need to understand that not that, that forgiveness, that, that not remembering is actually required. One of Satan's, Satan loves to take the teachings of God and the principles of God and pervert them. And probably one of the most perverted statements that Satan has used to, to attack God's forgiveness is the you can probably say it, you see what's coming, right? I'll forgive, but I that's right. That is a very, very poor Satan substitution for real forgiveness. Because it really is required, not that we forget, but that we choose not to recall. And there's a slight difference in understanding that, that it's choosing not to remember, choosing not to call it back up, choosing not to, I've walked away from it, and as soon as you recall it, you walk back over to it and you start messing with it again, right? And it's just saying, hey, look, I've chosen to walk away from it, and I'm not going back over there and messing with it again. That's what it means. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 12, Jesus, God says this, For I will be merciful towards your iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. I think that's based out of Isaiah 43, 25, where, G, where God says, I, I, yes, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. We walk away from them, not to go messing with them again. Because that's what God did with us. He remembers them. He chooses not to recall them. And so we want to talk a little bit about active discipleship. We've been trying to close out each week with some, some real practical, active. That discipleship is not just something you do sitting there in your pews. I, discipleship is really an action that you live out each and every day. And here's the instructions from Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If any of you have anything against anyone, and so that your Father who is also in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. And so now that we have a little bit better understanding of what forgiveness is, let me give you some action steps. First, identify. All right. First step in, in forgiveness is identifying. Who do you have a complaint against? <laughs> Who's done you wrong? Who, who has mistreated you? Who has offended you? Right? Sorry, whoever it is, when you stand to pray, whoever it is, forgive them. Whoever it is. So you've got to define that. That might be what you write down in your, in your to-do list at the bottom. Start putting initials down. Right? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
And, and, and you can own that because once you own it, once you say, once you claim it, I have a right to be hurt. And you can put your, put your foot down and say, I have a right to be upset about this. You know what you can do now? You can walk away from it. Because only after you own it can you deny it. And that's what we're called to do in forgiveness is I have a right. I'm going to deny myself my right because that's what God did. God had a right to cast us into hell and he denies himself that very right. So own the right. Own the offense. Yep, I was hurt. Then remember where you're at. Did you still... Are you comparing your taking secrets from the football team and giving them to another football team to the treason we've committed against God? And so just remember the level of forgiveness we've been given against an ultimately pure being. Then make the commitment. All right, I'm going to walk away from it. I'm not going to bring it up to the offender. I'm not going to bring it up to others. And I'm not going to bring it up to myself. I'm going to leave it alone and not mess with it anymore. And then the challenge, tonight when you lay down in bed and Satan wants to get you all stirred up, he's going to be trying to bring it back to your mind. And you're going to have to remind yourself, I committed not to recall that. I committed not to recall that. I choose not to remember. I'm going to start counting sheep. Whatever it takes. So that you don't go back and mess with it. That's what forgiveness actually is. And it's easy to stand up here and preach about it. It's a whole lot easier to walk, it's a whole lot more difficult to walk out of here and practice it. But the commands of Scripture bear with one another and forgive any complaint you have against someone else. Forgive. As the Lord forgave you. Can you see how that would change the world if we really practiced it to that extent?